0: Hi Don the Stat listeners, Ian here. Before we get to my interview with Todd Davey, just wanted to give a call out for anyone who would like to share their and stories. We've enjoyed the episodes we've done in this bonus series so far and would like to do more. If you're interested yourself or you would like to recommend someone that you think would be interesting, please DM myself or Jono on Twitter or email us to donthestat at gmail.com. I have links to our Twitter profiles and the email address in the description of this episode. Anyway, without further ado, my interview with Todd. Everyone, welcome to the second of our bonus episodes talking to Essendon fans about their experiences and stories. The aim of these episodes is to hear from the people to make the wider Essendon family a great community to be part of. Tonight's guest is someone who should be a familiar sight to those of you on Twitter. While some deride Twitter as a your experience is all about who you choose to follow and interact with. And I guess tonight is one of the most positive and enjoyable accounts to follow, whether it's random song lyrics, pictures of his dog Hank, or incisive Simpsons references. He's also a passionate Essendon man and he's here to share his fan story with us. Todd Davey, welcome to Donna's
1: Ian, um great pleasure to be here. Absolutely love the podcast. And just before we kick off things and talk all things Essen, which is tough, you know, you have to do some arm to get me on here to talk bombers. But um, <laughs> congratulations to both you and um and your co-host. It's has um, been an amazing podcast. It's a great journey. And the, the way you guys are just rocketed up those rankings is just something that every Essen fan and yourself in particular should be proud of.
0: Well, I really appreciate that coming from you um, especially of all your experience in, in this sort of area and space, you know, it's been a interesting, it's been a fun experience for us. And we're just really one of the, it's just been the interactions really that have, that have been the most positive thing and getting to, t- and, you know, doing a series like what we're doing now and getting to talk to people like you, um, something we're really excited about. Cause I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of, lot of space to hear from a variety of different voices in when it comes to Essendon and, we just want to get as many out there and, and share that with, with people as possible.
1: Yeah, it's a testament to the great work you do because this can be sort of a niche subject and you know you don't always get the amount of listens you probably deserve given the content that you create, but you've, you guys have just excelled and yeah, you should be really proud of the work.
0: Well, thank you for that. So I guess look, let's, get, let's get into it because we, we're we going to sort of focus on the you know, yes and inside of, of you and and what's involved in that. So I guess the the starting point is what is your Essendon origin story? Where does the support of Essendon come from?
1: So it comes from probably most people, it's their um, parents. So my dad in particular. So I was born in 86. So unfortunately, i just missed out on the back-to-back flags, but um, unlike a lot of probably younger Essendon fans, I've seen success. So I've seen two premierships and mm. the 2001 is the one that sticks out to me the most, but yes, yeah, it was my dad and I big Essendon fans. Um, especially remember back in the 2000s, I used to go to bed at half time just expecting a win. And, you know, that's not yeah. the kind of thing we can expect <laughs> these days, but yeah, it was a lot no. of fun back then.
0: No, you, you can't go to bed five minutes before the end and expect to win. Sometimes I was reliving the, um the Sydney game from 2017 uh, prior to prior to this week's one. And I, I remember, uh you know, five minutes before the end, we were three goals up. My partner turned to me and said, Oh, you guys are home. And I said, no, we, we're not. And then, then the Gary Rowan thing happened and that was, that was it. So, yeah, I under, we all understand that. But, I mean, I'm, a, I'm also a child of 86, so we've got probably got a similar, you know, experience in terms of growing, growing up Essendon fans. And as, as you sort of said, younger, you know, we would have been 14 when that 2000 premiership happened. And, you know, you've, you've come from, you know, 93. And, you know, even, even between those years, you've had, you know, periods of success. 96 was a pretty strong year. 99, despite the end, was strong. You, see, you sort of have, as you said, that expectation, of success. What's the What are the earliest memories for you then when it comes to being an Essence supporter? Uh,
1: the earliest one I can remember is probably at my grandparents' place in the '96 preliminary final. That one, <laughs> yeah, that one hurt. <laughs> and it, it seemed that at all that time that we would just be consistently contending, but just me I remember it was, I think it might have been Gavin Wanganin's last year against Brisbane, and he had a chance to win the game and he hit the post. and. <sighs> I remember, um, but especially after the '96 Grand Final, I was walking up uh, preliminary final. I was walking with my grandma down the street after the game the next day, and there was just a, an Essendon supporter just like shaking his head, going one solitary point, and it's just stuck with me <laughs> my whole life. It's like it's just the, the way of the Essendon fan these days. It's just always pessimistic, but hopefully we we'll turn things around soon.
0: Absolutely. Well, that 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 final that Wanganeen uh, point you mentioned. That's that's the first distinct memory that I have as an Essendon fan that just, I see him hitting the post and, you know, his his face crest falling and, you know, we think, Oh, you have one, you have one, one point loss in a, in a one final series and to have two in the same, you know, sort of a a killer. And then I think, you know, I think that they often talk about, you know, 96, they were sort of on their last legs, but then you have 99 and, and that sort of that one, that one's the ones that's got away. What was your memories of that moment? So you obviously around that time.
1: So <laughs> this one kills me too. Uh, my brother's a Carlton fan. Oh, no. Never, we, <laughs> we sat at home and we listened to it on the radio and we'll just c- c- just polar opposite reactions at, on the siren. And uh, thankfully, he's not somebody who rubs it in. But yeah, that was a really tough one to take. But it's the catalyst probably for the 2000 grand final. So, and that uh, that amazing season, which um, I'll argue with anyone to this day, that's the best team I've ever seen. So if it's that's the price we had to pay for, to see arguably the best season of all time, then I'm happy with it.
0: Yeah, I think I think overall, I think Essendon fans. It's a it's a bit different if we hadn't won ninety nine and then hadn't won anything after the fact. You know, if you you think about, say, being a St. Kilda supporter, for example, and going through oh nine ten and then you know not having anything to, to fall back on there. But I guess so. When when you're young and, and you're having those those early experiences, the, you find that those players are the ones that really stick with you. Who who were the players that really sort of kept you as an Essendon fan and you know made made it special for you.
1: So th- this is just a no-brainer for me. It's always James Heard. And I, I got to – so you, you approached me about this last week, and through this time I got to reflect a bit on James Heard's career. And, you know, there might be some young Essendon fans that sort of saw him at the tail end of, this, of his career, where he was brilliant, like no mm. question about it. But if if you miss James Heard, you should go back and watch some of his highlights, especially the Anzac Day games. He was just like dominated that. I watched the 2003 – one where he won the medal, maybe Cupid, I should have won it, but that's neither here nor there right now. But he, he just, he reminds me so much of Justin Mark without the brutality of the ball, but just his ability just to kick goals from any angle. He's just so smart and he's and unquestionably tough and oh, I just absolutely love him. But we also spoke about you and I privately about uh, our love for Brent Stanton always loves yeah. Stanton, just a great clubman. And another one that sticks out, was, which, which breaks my heart because he missed that 2000 grand final, was Dean Rial. He's arguably, well, to me, he's the classiest player I've ever seen. And unfortunately, whether it was commitment issues, I'm not sure or whether it's just his body letting him down, but he'd ever like truly hit the peak of what he probably could have done. But he's, yeah, he's the most skillful player I've ever seen.
0: Yeah. Jono, Jono speaks very highly of him. So Jono was at the club when uh, Rioli was there. And if you go back to that 2000 final vision where Rioli's coming onto the ground, you know, quite upset, obviously, because he's, he's missed out. Jono's right there behind him. And yeah, Jono can't speak. High, I mean, he speaks at the same level in terms of uh, appreciation for what Dean Rioli could do. Um, but I guess going back to James Hurt, I mean, you, you talk about 96 being, you know, that sort of formative idea in your mind in terms of Essendon, like that, Part of part of that would be you know his Brownlow year and, and watching what he did there, and and the like. Then you mentioned two thousand and three. Were there any other memories, particularly of her, that you that sort of stick with you, or is it more just the general feel of of the of the guy?
1: It's the general feel, but there's always the memories. It's the the game winner against West Coast is, is probably my favourite footy moment of all time. I remember there was one dream time at the G game where we came back and won after Matty Richardson gave away that free kick for hands in the back against Mel Michael. He he made this huge tackle, just changed the game. Yeah, the Anzac days to stand out and just made that game his own, much like like I'd like to see Archie Perkins do that going forward. But, yeah, yeah, people probably don't realise, like the younger people, about how good he was on the Anzac day and he made that his own. Just his ability to hit the scoreboard and his foot skills and just his leadership, he's just it's hard to pinpoint like games where he dominated because there's just so many, but (laughs) that 2000 stands out like of the grand final, because, you know, he set the tone he kicked the first goal of the game and just led us from the front. And yeah, I've I've loved him ever since. And yeah, still the best player I've ever seen to this day.
0: Yeah. I think, you know, talk to any Essendon fan, you know, unless you're, You know, in your 70s or 80s, and and you saw Reynolds and Hutchinson and Coleman. You know, you probably you're probably going to have the same answer, unless again, also that you're too young to to remember him at at his peak. And then obviously, you know, we've we've got such a strong connection. I mean, the the 150th celebration when he came out, and there was you know there was a bit of that pro wrestling you know entry entry. Just the just the love for the man after all he's been through and and what he's given for the club. You know, just want to see him. You know, just want to see him healthy and and Involved in potentially involved in the club in some way, or you know, even just involved in footy and enjoying himself.
1: I think that's the great thing about James, Head too, is he's a really smart guy and he, he would be very honest with himself. If he didn't think he had something to give to Esther, I think he would take he wouldn't come back to the club. But you know, if the right role comes up and you know, the water's under the bridge for both parties and he feels comfortable, I'd love to see him back. But I, yeah. I, I'm sure you're probably in this party too. I think it's it's such a silly notion to have him coming back as coach, as to say that, that people have been talking about. Yeah. But um, yeah, if, if he could come back at board level or even some coaching capacity, like he is at GWS in a leadership mm-hmm. role, that'd be great. I'd love to see that.
0: Well, it's even just great. To, I don't know if you've been to any VFL games uh, in the last couple of years, but you know, just seeing him there, watching his sons, you know, you get to watch both, you know, Tom and Alex now playing for the VFL side. You know, just seeing him there enjoying that, you know, enjoying that part of footy is just really, really positive to see. But I guess I want, I want to go back to Brent Stanton because, you know, if there's one player in the last 15 years as polarised Essendon fans, it's probably Brent Stanton. So he, for, for me, like, some there are, there are just some draft years where you pay really close attention. I think, I think we got Brent Stanton and Ricky Dyson in the same draft. And I, I think well, I would, I think it was 2003, so it would have been would have been 17, 18 at the time, and so you starting to pay a bit more close attention to certain people, and just those two, those two really stuck stuck with me and, and wanted to see them do well. Ricky Dyson probably didn't get the opportunities that he deserved, but then you had you know Stanton comes into a side that is on the way down, but he's you know from the, from the very start he's performing you know really well, and I, I guess do you, do you think it was just expectations from the fans? coming off that early 2000 period that players were just going to you know players of his quality were going to be able to carry the side forward and maybe and the unrealistic expectations when it came to a player like Stanton
1: yeah absolutely there was that expectation of greatness from the get-go from the 93 side basically if you if you come in you should be like a great player from the get-go and it's unreasonable expectations especially for a guy like Stanton who's never going to be a a superstar player or paradigm shifting player he was a a workhorse guy that's going to lead without saying too much and maybe getting the number five really hurt him as well. I think the Essendon fans had that unrealistic expectation, oh, he's the next James Hurt if he's going to be five. But I think that that was just a mark of respect from the club of how much, how highly they rated him, not necessarily his playing ability. But yeah, I always thought he was really unfairly maligned, but I think he's a great leader around the club and as a player. And it's awesome to see him back. I know he had a little sitting at Carlton and I think he was highly regarded there. So he's another guy that I think can really bring something to the club going forward.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, I, I, my memories of Stan, you know, he was such a fit guy. Fourth, fourth quarter specialist, I often found, you know, he'd find a way to kick a goal in the fourth quarter to, you know, put us in front or, you know, sort of get us home and really, you know, running up and down the wings there really stood out to me with that.
1: Yeah. yeah, there's one thing especially with him is the passion for the club. I remember that game where all the players came back after their suspensions and he kicked two goals against Hawthorne. I think um one late in the last quarter, I think Tippin' Woody handballed it off to him and kicked it from fifty, and just every single player got to him and he was like really passionate and just like mm-hmm. this guy just loves the club and he typifies everything that the fans love about the club too, just passion and just wants to see us succeed.
0: Absolutely. And I guess, yeah, you know, when you when you go twenty-two years now without a premiership and was it 18? I should I shouldn't know how many days, and I don't want to say it because it keeps getting popped up. You know, I've got i got a lot I've got a lot planned for that for uh, a few people when we do actually win a, a final. But you know, I'll keep that keep that powder dry for the moment. But yeah, so you know, you, you're just wanting that success. So, what about more recent players who sort of stuck out? Then so, I mean, cause it's different, it's different when you get older and you know, you don't have that same youthful look and maybe you're a bit more rational and you're a bit more, you know, fo- you know, you're following it in, in different ways to you. Whereas as a kid, are there players that still give you that, that's that same feeling that you had when you were a younger, younger person in, in terms of watching them and, you know, enjoying them as an Essendon player?
1: Like you mentioned, just by virtue of being a bit older, you don't get that same attachment to them. You don't love them as much, but you definitely see the same sort of traits in guys like Archie Perkins with that class around the ball, ability to not get hit off the ball and just hit the scoreboard, that sort of stuff. Um, Unfortunately, we didn't see much of Nick Cox, but his debut season was pretty amazing. I'm just loving the work of the guys that have done it at the hard yards and they're coming in and having an impact like Nick Martin, um, Will Snelling, these SPP and mid-draft guys like Dambrosio is, he's, he's, you could almost argue he's one of the best kicks in the league right now. He's mm. unbelievable. And to see it on game day last week against Sydney, he's hitting 40 meter targets, hitting, kicking it over mm. certain players and hitting at mm. some guys right on the chest. It's unbelievable. And, you know, Dodoro cops his fair share of criticism, probably quite rightly, for some of the uh, first round picks to, um, we've stopped up, you know, Kepper Bradley comes to mind. But <laughs> yeah. um, the way he's nailed the later picks and especially those supplemental and the mid-season, he should be commended for it.
0: Yeah, I think he's, he's especially those midseason and supplemental picks, I think he's sort of been, a, he, him and his, and it would be his team as well, sort of been ahead of the head of the pack. You know, I'm not sure anyone's had as good a success rate with those sort of players that Dodoro and, and the Essendon recruiting team have. And it's just a matter of whether it, all the pieces can come together for success. There was one other player I wanted to bring up, and you, you wrote quite a good article uh, through your work on the Inner Sanctum after his retirement. Was, was Waller and, and, and there and I'll link that article uh, in the in the description and, and on Twitter so people can go back and read it because it's still it's still a bit raw and it doesn't really feel real that he's gone because I don't even though he got to come out on Dreamtime and you know he got to I, I think he was at the center for the toss there and he was out there for the, the ceremony at the start of the game I't I still don't think we' ever really got a proper chance to say goodbye goodbye to him and so I guess just talk through you the sort of feelings you expressed when you when you wrote that article.
1: Yeah, so you know, probably as a fan, and you were probably the same with it. It it, it seemed like it was a foregone conclusion that this was coming just just by just seeing training reports, just seeing him. He just what it just didn't seem like he was engaged as much as he could be. Even the VFL, like he returned, he he looked great playing, but it didn't seem like he was engaged as he once was. So it was sad to see him retire prematurely because it it seemed like he had two to three good years at least at the top Mm -hmm. level and. But, yeah, he, he was the shining light in that suspension season. I remember distinctly I went to that game, I think it was the day or two after my birthday, actually, um, when he kicked kicked a handful of goals against Carlton in that really mm. strong upset win. I'm like, oh, this guy's not just a flash in the pan. He's going to be a great player. And there's just so many amazing moments. I mean, that North Melbourne game mm. winner is one of the best goals I've ever seen that one flies under the radar for how skillful that was. And it just consistently could rely on him when he was fully fit. And he's just, he, um, he went close to redefining the game a little bit too. I mean, Cyril Rioli did really set the paradigm for that hard running defensive tackling in the forward line and then silky ran goals. But Wallace just turned into a battering ram and he, I carry the torch from Cyril there on, I thought, but yeah, it's really sad to see him go, but you know, I hope he's finds solace after footy because he's, been such a great ambassador for the club and his community as well
0: absolutely it's another one of those those people you want you you probably want around the club you know to keep around to support younger players you know whether they're indigenous or otherwise because you know his story of where he, where he came from you know is inspirational regardless of your your cultural background and like and just the, what what hard work and perseverance can can provide have you got any int- like, interesting any sort of funny stories or interactions that you've had? regarding Essendon, you know, maybe interactions with fans or interactions with with players or even, you know, even just funny uh, interactions, you know, on social media or something like that?
1: Um, probably not so many on social media. That could be a bit of a mean place. But um have got a couple that spring to mind is um, I went to an open training session once with um, my partner at the time. And uh, we went – this is back when Essen were at Windy Hill and we went down to like a local cafe afterwards and we're just having um, a bit of brunch. And then all Essendon players – turned up. So it was like Brent Stanton, Cale Hooker and Michael Hurley. And I'm just like, just just leave them alone. They'll be fine. And she's like, oh, my partner over there loves you guys. He's too shy to come (laughs) over and say hi. And I'm like, just don't. (laughs) And then another one that springs to mind is probably one of my favourite games I've been to outside of Anzac Day 2009 was when Cale Hooker kicked the winning goal against Hawthorne. And that was such a shock to any Eston fan because that was when Cale Hooker wasn't the swing man, 40-goal season man. Mm. Um, Remember, it was so loud at the game that you could not hear the siren as Luke Bruce ran into the open goal to not or purportedly win it and then not win it. And I was standing next to an Essence fan and we both just looked at each other and just went, can't say the words on the podcast, but we just like <laughs> kicked the kicked the ground next to us. And then our song played and we just turned to each other and like hugged it. I'm like, lift him over my shoulders and then just like looked him in the eye and go, yeah. Nice to meet you, and then just walked off. <laughs> it was just yeah. a great experience that
0: one. Well, it's just you know those those interactions you have in in the in the crowd and, and with with people who you know share share the same passion that you do, even if it's just a fleeting one, you know. Game, it just it's one of those things. You know, it's it's great to see your team win, but it's also great to share it with people who you know have you know are after the same thing you are in terms of success for the club. So, I'm actually the same as you when it comes to interacting with players and the like. I'm very very shy. I don't I don't want to interact? I don't want to. Annoy them or anything like that. So yeah, I I'm I'm the same as you. But my partner would have been the my partner would be the same as your partner at the time. She would have been like, oh, these these guys like that. So yeah, I I get <laughs> I get where you're coming from with
1: that. More, I was more like these guys have just done an open training session, signing autographs. Let them eat lunch by themselves. Not like, slot bother them. But yeah, it was. Um, I ended up appreciating it because I got a jersey with Michael Hurley and um, Brett Stanton's signature on it. But what what are some of the ones that stick out to you in terms of like your um, like favorite moments at games because I, I always talked about this with people all the time. That that suspension year was some of the most fun I've had at games in my life. I'm like that that win against Gold Coast was so like, unexpected, and the win against Melbourne too was yeah. just, it was, just in, was just an incredible feeling for as the fan at the game. Yeah, well the
0: Melbourne, Melbourne game was really good because I had the I had the walk to the ground to support support the boys, and so there was a real build up. And you know you go you go you went through you know from when the players were suspended to. To the first couple of r- rounds, you were going through the point, oh, we'll listen and win a game this year, you know, and to have, you know, after, after everything got side. So when 2013 happened, I, when it initially came out, I was actually going overseas for most of the year. And I thought, well, this is going to be, this is going to be a rubbish year, but uh, at least I won't be here for it. It'll be over by the time I get back. Well, you know, that was a, that was, that was a bit of a, a bad call on my part, but yeah, that that started 2016 when, you know, I think it was Parish kicked the winning goal. Uh, you know, young, young players come in into an environment. And, you know, I think that, that, that win in particular, you know, they didn't, they didn't win another game until late in the season, but that win just sort of sustained you. And you you sort of thought, okay, everything's going to be okay. The club's not going to fold. You know, the, the players are still going to be able to, to go out and perform. And I think it's just one of those things that since we've all sort of gone through it as, as fans, it's actually made us a stronger fan community. You know, maybe we're a bit, maybe we're a bit more, uh, touchy to, to criticism and the like, but as a group and as a, as a collective, I think we're very tight and supportive in that sense. I think that the typical you talked about before, I w- that was one of the games I went to that year and I was right behind that goal and just going off with that, that really sticks with me. And yeah, the first, first MCG game I went to was the, uh, 2001 game against the Kangaroos, the comeback. And I was pretty much I was pretty much walking, out, I was pretty much walking out of there at quarter time. I was with my mum and I was a bit of an immature 15-year-old and I was like, get me out of here. I can't can't do, can't deal with this. And she made me stay. And I'm very fa- I've been thankful to her ever since. <laughs> been for thankful ever since me yeah. stay for that one. <laughs> yeah, I can say I was there for the whole one there.
1: Yeah, I've got it. Not not as interesting, not as great as that, but I just I remember distinctly listening with to on the radio and driving to my grandma's house, listen to it, go how did this happen? And then hearing later on that we're coming back and just sitting in the car by myself for the, like the last quarter, this is unbelievable. (laughs) (laughs) just like running around the house. This is is crazy. How did we do this?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was, well, I I guess it was sort of that last hurrah of that side. I think they lost the next three games and then it was never quite, quite the same. And they got to the the grand final that year, but you know, I I think they sort of, that sort of doesn't get mentioned a lot, but the the SNM was in that game for a lot of that, a lot of that grand finals just sort of right at the end that Brisbane sort of kicked away in the last quarter. So, you know, I think a lot of people sort of think that, you know, we, we underperformed in that, that three era, we only got one flag out of it, but, you know, as I was saying before, teams like, you look at teams like St Kilda or the Bulldogs of that same era, you know, they were great sides and they didn't come away with anything. So I think, you know, still, to still have one, you know, is, is enough for people there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And to make, yeah, preliminary final and back-to-back grand finals, is a huge achievement. And, and people will say, you only walked away with one premiership, but, you know, I'd take one premiership. I'd take one finals win right now, so I'm not going to be too greedy <laughs> about one premiership.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I guess one of the questions I, I sent you in advance is what is your unpopular Essendon opinion, either past or present? You know, the one that maybe sets you against uh, the majority of, of Essendon fans.
1: So I alluded to it before, but I think the 2016 season is the most fun I've had watching Essendon for a complete season. And mm-hmm. I'll stand by that. And maybe that's not so much an unpopular opinion because maybe people, it's reflective in the way that that side played and, you know, the crowds turned up, even though we're probably going to get beaten every week. But, you know, the, the, the wins we did have were great and we unearthed some great talent. And, yeah, Tip and Woody came out of that, basically came out of that year. There's there's an argument to be made that he might not have got an opportunity with those suspensions, but yeah, it was the most fun I've had through any season and, you know, I'll stand by that. I'll fight anyone to the death on that. But um, have you shared your one on the podcast yet? Cause I'd love to hear yours.
0: Oh, I wish I'd thought about, it. I just sent it to you. I wasn't expecting that to answer this question. Um, oh, I, my unpopular opinion is I still hold out, out my for pre- present wise. I, I still hold out hope for Aaron Francis. I know a lot of people have written him off. And he's injured now, and that's not—it's not a great time to be injured when you're sort of on the cusp of, of whether you're going to keep your spot or not. But I've—I've I've always, I've always, I've always seen the positives in him. You know, even—even even the games he's played forward, I, I go, look, he's present, he presents, he creates a contest. You know, and he even started kicking a couple of goals at the start of the year. And I, I think you know, Jones is Jones is obviously a, a superior player at the moment. But I just, I just hold out hope because I know you hear the stories of what he's went, what he went through, and you know he, what the struggles that he's had to overcome from a personal point of view. And maybe it's just wanting wanting him to succeed and do well. But yeah, I will still hold out hope to the day uh that he's that he's not on the list anymore that he can make it. So that's I guess that's my unpopular opinion, judging by some of the the posts I see in the community.
1: It's a strong opinion too, and I'm with you. I mean people forget that there was that huge mark he took against Port Adelaide, then he, this subsequent season, I think he started the rising star betting favourite. So, the talent's always been there, and I thought he was really important in that win against Hawthorne. I think he kicked two goals and just presented, especially in that last quarter, kept presenting, and that's always been the issue I found with Francis, is that his fitness levels haven't been up to snuff. So, if he's presenting late in quarters and continuing to fight and showing passion, um, you know, he still has a spot in that best 22, and I think, you know, sorting that out is going to be the issue for Ben Rutten and the team, but I think I'll probably think these best positions down back, but yeah, they know more than me. So we'll find out hopefully.
0: Yeah. Well, we're going to move on to my final question for you tonight. And it's probably, it might be a good thing that we uh, ended up waiting a week to do this. Cause I'm going to ask this after a win instead of a loss, but are you positive or negative about the club going forward? What's your, what are
1: your thoughts? I'm pretty positive. Like it's a disappointing season, but I think, expectations were way too high going into this season. We had Jake Stringer play one of the great second halves to a season you'll ever see and carried that team for a lot. So him missing out in the opening couple of games really hamstrung us. And, you know, we had guys overperforming. performing Nick Cox hasn't been able to get on the park and he wasn't able to meet expectations of taking that next step when it mattered. And we had just like key cog guys like Will Snelling just not being able to get on the park too, which – now he's an underrated guy. It's like tackle pressure and all those pressure acts that we rely on and and just people, like, we probably should be better than where we are right now. And I don't think we're a bottom-four team, but I, I can't be too negative about the club going forward. I mean, the 150th year would have been better to like maybe potentially play finals or have a, have a crack at it. But that that young talent on the list is pretty crazy. There's, I think we have the most rising star nominations of any club in the competition. Um yeah, I saw
0: that today, so six in the last three years, and I don't think they had one in 2020, so it's the last two years have had six.
1: It's incredible, starters. isn't it? Yeah. yeah, and then to have Dan I think he's the first mid-season pick to come in and get the uh, rising star nom in his first season, so that's pretty huge accolade for him. But, you know, the the list demographic's pretty crazy in terms of young guys, and maybe that's an issue that, you know, Fantasia side and Danaher going all at the same time just skewed that towards the younger guys, but... You know, they'll grow together, and hopefully this off season we can pick up a few mature bodies. And I think I was reading earlier that there's two million dollars or something in the salary cap potentially to splash. So if the right players come along and we can pick them up and jo- join the list demographic and make sure that they're um, filling needs and not just wants like maybe Dylan Shear was back in the day. But <laughs> it could be, yeah, it could be a great uh, launching pad for coming seasons.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I I agree with I agree with you in terms of just positive going forward. And I'm I'm am normally a positive person, always looking for the, you know the the best and what what could happen and and the like. So you know I think with as as you sort of say the demographic them coming up might take a couple of years for them to really gel. But just even even here just hearing the way Merritt was talking after the Sydney game, uh, where he was sort of saying it's up to the older guys really have to start showing the way. For the, for the younger players and you know they've been letting them down, that's sort that sort of talk. And as long as they can carry on with that, because I think we have heard stuff said like that before, and then it falls away. But if they can really, you know, carry on with that with that belief and uh idea, then we'll go far.
1: Yeah, completely agree. And that's symptomatic of what we saw over the past three weeks. I mean, that St Kilda win is as good as we've seen for the past two years, then just the just that dichotomy of the West Coast loss, which I didn't think was as bad because if anyone watched West Coast the week before, they they took it right up to Geelong and they lost by three goals or something like that. So they had every opportunity to win that game. And then they were good against Richmond last week again. And then just to bounce back and play as well as we did against Sydney, just shows that the talent's there. It's not a talent issue. It's potentially, you know, fitness levels just with the young guys and learning that game plan. And anyone that's listening that hasn't, taking a look at um, the Twitter thread that you guys put up on just the defensive structures, go and take a look. Cause I learned a lot from that and I thought it was brilliant and it just broke it down and just it made me think about it a little bit differently to how, how I would have just looking at it um, plainly. So thanks a lot for that. And it, it just, it, it goes to show this those defensive structures are so important. It's not necessarily personnel 100% of the time. It's how well you play and how well you execute the game plan.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, it, a lot of, most of that's Jono's work. Cause that's, that's his background and, and looking at that, but he's one of the things that working with him this year has really helped me realize is that it could, it just takes one person, you know, not in, in, a, in a game plan where you're trying to really press up and, and, you know, play 18, 18 man defense, you know, one, one little link breaking down is the whole thing can just fall apart. It's like pulling a, a card out of a house of cards. It just all falls apart. So, and it, it's as as you sort of say, it's getting better. You know, I think since the first Sydney game, it's definitely improved. Even you know, if we didn't haven't always had the results go our way, but you know, I think if they can continue with that sort of that sort of pressure and and form for the rest of the year, I think as as you sort of saying, it's it's setting them it up for success in the future. But Todd, thanks for joining us tonight. Uh, where can people find you, find you in your work?
1: Uh, do all my best work on Twitter, so check me out there at Todd Davy. But uh, don't worry about me. Listen to Don the Stat. Make sure you like subscribe everywhere. Um, give both both boys a follow. They know their footy back to front and I've been loving listening to the podcast and checking out all this stuff on Twitter. So keep up the great work.
0: Awesome. Thanks again. Go Dons.